Welcome to This Is Nursing Podcast. This is part two of my conversation with Angela Glaves. She's the registered mental health nurse and a lecturer at Sheffield Hallam University. In this part, we cover a vast array of topics such as how Angela became a lecturer. She talks about the challenges of, of teaching students with the use of Zoom at university. We also explore the realms of mental health nursing and um, non, non-patient or service user roles that are available for people who um, are in the mental health healthcare industry. Um, we also cover what career paths there are available for, for mental health nurses. Um, and she also talks about a patient story um, where they had to take a dog uh, to a dog shelter as part of the care needs for um, one of the patients she was looking after. Um, we'd cover a bit of um, how mental health hospitals are structured and we finally finished the podcast with a re- really funny sort of anecdotal description of what midwifery is. Um, but yeah, overall, I found Angela to be really energetic and creative, and I can see why the students at Sheffield Hallam Unit really enjoy her lessons. So hope you enjoy it, and thank you very much to Angela, and thanks to um, Sheffield Hallam University. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so thanks, Angela. So uh, this is part two of mental health nursing with Angela Glaze from Sheffield Hallam University and who is also a um, RMN, mental health nurse for a crisis mm-hmm. team in Sheffield. Um, so thanks, Angela. So getting on to being a lecturer, so you've done it for three years now. How did yeah. you end up being a lecturer? <laughs> um, I sort of fell into it, which is um, again probably something I should have I should have backtracked and said. So my aspiration has always been, but um, I like I said I'm I'm not your average kind of person. So um, I you know worked as a support worker for eight years, and when you work as a support worker, you you know help with the new support workers Mm. because you know you you've maybe done the job for a bit longer than them so you know um when you qualify as a nurse um you then um supervise um support workers and also if they're students in the place that you work if you go and do the little mentor training then you become you know a, a supervisor a mentor a teacher you know for students so it's always been something that i've done as part of my other jobs yeah. and I've always always liked it you know I've always liked being you know a bit of a teachy person yeah um, and I did have this thought that um because I do like a 13 hour night shift but um it's not something I think I can do forever yeah so I had this idea that I was like well maybe if I like you know the teaching aspects of the other jobs that maybe that's something I could look at doing kind of later on um and then this condi advert um was sort of brought out for the trust i was trust i'm in from helen um advertising for somebody to be seconded 
to Hallam Uni to lecture in mental health nursing two days a week. And I thought, well, actually, that's a really good kind of dip your toe in kind of thing mm -hmm. um, because it might be that I've got this idea about what lettering is, but really, if I go and do it, I might not like it or I might not be any good at it. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll use this as a kind of, you know, good experience. And so um, I was supposed to go to Hallam for six months to do this um, seconded post. Um, the six months got turned into a year because I enjoyed it so much. And, um, you know, they, they liked me um, got good feedback from um, the person who's my manager there, Jim Turner, and the other um, lecturers that, you know, they thought that I, I did well. You know, the students enjoyed my sessions and I got feedback from the students that they really liked that I do what I teach. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So um, six months got turned into a year and then... Um, somebody at that point was actually going to be retiring so there was a, a couple of days permanent available at Hallam because I didn't want to leave Nursing. my yeah I didn't want to leave my clinical role just yet but I also was you know unexpectedly really really enjoying this thing that I was like oh, I can maybe do that in the future but actually when I did my turn I was like no I really like this so um they uh they the, the jim turner suggested he's like well you know this this post is coming up it's um it's going to be a, a couple of days and we've got the option of job share so you know you can you can have a few days and somebody else can maybe have another few days if that comes to it if you're successful so um so i applied and and yeah then it's like well actually now you've gone from secondi to here's your actual permanent office desk yay so, name yeah. on the door uh, yeah, I mean, yes, it's it's on a piece of paper that I've printed off and slotted in the little plastic thing, but it's still name on the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, although you know, because of COVID, we're not we're not allowed in the, in his offices. We um, we all vanished. Yeah, we're all we're on pretty much working from home yeah. um, at the minute because there's that many office buildings. It's it just be um, impossible to you know make sure they're all safely cleaned and and kind of upkeep would just be. So what does okay. the so when you become a nursing or lecturer or nursing lecturer, do they give you a framework that you have to follow, or pretty much you come in and bring your own self to it? And so, um, when I was there as secondi, I was pretty much covering for somebody else who was off at the time, um, and so it was I was picking up their sessions that needed covering. Um, now I'm there um, permanently. I I'm placed into modules. It's not me that does it because that's the boss's job. If I had to work out who goes in what module and staffing levels, I think yeah, my brain would fall out of my head. But so there's different modules for the different courses, and then the modules have got a specific um, set out in terms of you know what they need to teach yep. in that module, which is all linked to the course as a whole because every five years uh, the, the course is determined by what the NMC says so the Nursing and Midwifery Council says right all students in order to you know pass and, and reach the standards of a, a newly qualified nurse have to have had these topics yeah. and that's what they set out and they they rewrite that and they change that every five years because you know, you know everything changes nursing yeah. changes things you know in update 
so the curriculum's rewritten every five years so it's just recently gone through that so there's um there's a degree course and there's a master's course so all of those have got different modules in and then the different modules will have different topics in them um increasing in levels of you know difficulty and intensity and what's expected of students as they go through the course so it's in in one respect um i'm sort of given a list of topics that i'm I need to teach but how I teach them you know how I present them is is sometimes I've got I've got a bit of a bit of flexibility on that so like one session in one module is is on mindfulness so I know that that's the session I've got to teach I've got to teach two hours on mindfulness how I teach that and what I teach um that's where you know Metallica mindfulness has come from so but students do say that they really enjoy that session so you know if they engage with it then chances are they'll take some some stuff away from it and what are what are the challenges around being a lecturer um this oh at the minute zoom yeah mm, she says pulling her face at the minute because of covid the challenge is that we are having to teach students in a very different way yeah i'm not in a you know in a a lecture hall or a, a classroom because we've got different types of sessions that we'd run or a, or a practical session i can't teach you know in a we've got some great rooms set up that look like a ward you know with mannequins that are you know they do all sorts they even speak to you if you um if you grab them can't do that because of the difficulty and the risks it, um and the risk assessments and everything else that's kind of come from covid so in the minute it's being able to deliver sessions in a way that is useful for students and they engage with on this kind of medium yeah which is a difficulty is a challenge so do you feel that it's difficult to manage to try and so from a teaching point of view when you when you work with people you can get it from a face-to-face contact you can you can sense those who are struggling or those who are disengaging yeah and i guess as a lecturer you're able to identify that quicker and then either put some pressure on them to, to get them to say come on you know, be a bit more i guess with zoom you don't have that because basically you just see a profile and yeah well if i'm lucky because some people don't even turn their camera on which oh, is really? okay yeah. wow. be so, hard. Something to, yeah I struggle, so I struggle just from through work you know zoom and people don't put the camera on Mm. they become invisible yes so yeah that is my worry because if I'm in a session and I'm if I'm teaching students I know if they're not listening and I know if they're not engaged very well I know when someone's you know using the phone under the desk which may come as a shock to some people but yes I've got nurse eyes and I can see everything I know when someone's having a sneaky quick look on Insta under their desk So I know that they're not engaging for whatever, because people disengage for different reasons, you know, they're, they're yeah. tired, they're struggling, they, they've just had enough that day, you know, it's not a session they think that they need, lots of reasons. So I can kind of maybe address that in different ways, depending on what I think's, you know, the most appropriate way to do it. But if I'm talking with somebody on Zoom, can't always get those cues, especially if, because, you know, quite a lot of students for whatever reason because there's different reasons maybe why they're doing it you know that they're not turning on their camera so i can't know if they're there yeah or whether yeah. they just put the camera on and then out of the room because they think I need to get, them. 
yes, I, I sort of need to be in the session, but I've got other things on. You know, people are in rooms that they don't maybe want other people to see. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm quite lucky. I've got, this is the spare room in my house, which is, you know, me and the Lego collection. Yeah. Mandalorian helmet in the corner. Yeah. yeah. So I've got set in the corner. Not the lamp, yeah. But you know, they might be in a in a in a in their own bedroom of a shared house. They don't want people to see it. Um, you know, I get I get students who put don't put the camera on and then send me a, an instant message going, I've I've just got up, my hair's a mess. It's like, well, I, I know, bless you for, but I don't care what your hair. I know you care what your hair looks like, but I don't. Well, yeah, sometimes it can be really difficult to keep the energy that I think I've got naturally up in a session when i'm looking at you know 50 blank screens like, yeah yeah I, can I feel like I to myself. yeah whereas you know in a classroom because i always tell if i've if i've not met students before i always tell them you know a couple of things about me that you know hello i'm angela work as a you know mental health nurse as well as doing this um i do wonder i said to my wife i said i can't i can't stand i'm not one of the people that stands behind the lecture and rigidly i, I, I like to wonder you know, and um, if people ask me a question, I will, obviously not in COVID times, but, you know, I would have run up to their end, you know, so I can engage and, you know, speak, yeah, yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't do that on a Zoom. But, um, yeah, so those are kind you of some challenges. screen instead. Yeah, well, the other week I did mix things up a bit and I did, you know, put the Stormtrooper helmet on, which is out of shot. Yeah, yeah. Just to start a session with, just because, I, I mean, obviously I knew them. We knew each other. This wasn't a new set of students. I'm not, you know, yeah, yeah. inappropriate. But, yeah, good relationship with this lot. And they hadn't seen me for a while. And a couple of them had emailed me saying, we're looking forward to your session because we've not seen you for a while. So, I, you know, just I didn't say anything. I just put the camera on and sat there with the Stormtrooper helmet on and just kind of waved nonchalantly. Cue a 10-minute conversation about, you know, the Lego and um, and the new Mandalorian and, and then other stuff that we got onto. So that was nice. If nothing else, to have just a little bit socialization with students yeah so, yeah so going back to your so you specialize at university and mental health nursing yeah so i'm going to ask a question so are is there a non-clinical mental health nurse role and if so what are they a non-clinical okay, okay so what do you class at see typical nurse you asked me a question ask yeah. back. what do you class as clinical gavin so something that's not delivering care. But so, all nurses deliver care. Well, do you mean? Do you mean like something else that's not ward based, or something else that's not community based? Or, so, so I'm thinking. So part of doing this is is about nursing can open up other things. So yeah. breaking some of the myth and stigma about nursing is that. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I've gotten into nursing, I'm three years in, either my life's changed or I've just realised I'm not really a people person. Yeah. I'm three years into my mental health nursing. What do I have available for me that enables me to, A, continue to be a nurse? So huh? maybe research nursing or maybe, yeah. I, I don't know, but I, I guess in, with mental health, there's lots of things that underpin it in the background. Hmm. So, in terms of mental health stuff, where can you go with this that may not be community, may not be in the yeah. ward? So, what, what else, I guess, is probably a better question. 
What else is out there that's not uh, inpatient or community? So there are nurses in the trust I work in who are now trainers. So they train yeah, okay. staff. Yeah. Um, so we um, we're all trained in um, one of the um, methods of um, managing violence and aggression and, and verbal de-escalation. Oh, so the respect one, training. Yeah, respect. Yeah. I love so respect training. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's, I've, I've been trained in like I, I mean I've worked in a several uh, mapper and PMV and all these, yeah much preferred. So there's nurses who are now who are trained as trainers, so they yeah. teach staff. Um, there's nurses who have gone and done further training and are now approved mental health practitioners. So, so they what do they are, do? So uh, they are the AMPs. So they what's are the amp, uh, Okay, what's an AMP apart from... Approved mental health professional or approved mental health practitioner. People yep. call it different. So um, if somebody is um, requiring an assessment under the Mental Health Act, they have to be um, usually assessed by two doctors and one AMP, sometimes one doctor, depending on the, the section. But the, the AMP, the approved mental health practitioner, is the person who, has, who is independent and has ultimately the decision as to whether that person should be detained in hospital or not under the Mental Health Act. So there are nurses who are also AMPs. So they've got kind of two things to their bone. Okay. Yeah. Um, nurses who go into research. Um, there's some nurses I know of that um, work in um, the infection control side of things. So they, you know, carry out, you know, they, they contribute to policy. They, they do as well teaching as part of that. Um, they go around and audit um, areas that are in need of things in terms of you know, if they've got, like, you know, if they've had, say, um, lots of incident forms come in in terms of infections and things, then yeah, so they can... So you still get... I'm going to sound like such a, a noob on this one. So <laughs> you can still have corporate mental health nursing roles that are linked to clinical risk and governance yeah. and all that sort yes. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we've got people who um, work in the, the risk department, so they they... They are nurses, but they manage things like, again, you know, the incident forms that will come in, they collate that and then uh, safeguarding. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, safeguarding. Yeah. Uh, training as well, you know, we've, we've as, as well as uh, the respect with, with other nurses who train people in things like basic life support, you know, um, the, the ramps. Yep. ramps. Things like ramps. that. Oh, so RAMPS is recognising um, and assessing um, physical health problems in mental health situations. Okay. So it's a scenario-based learning, which we also do at Hallam, which I love. I love the RAMPS days. They're lots of fun because mm. students like practical sessions. Yeah, yeah. But this is like one up from a practical session because it's a scenario. They, they're always a little bit like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. But by the end of it, they all say, we really enjoyed that. So there's lots of different scenarios. It's a, it's a, it's a public, published book, um, published manual, and yeah. lots of different um, professions have contributed it because it's for medics and nurses and adult nurses and, and mental health nurses. It's for people to learn kind of together. Yeah, okay. So there's 
trainers who do ramped days in the trust who are nurses, but we do it um, at Hallam. So there's different scenarios. So we have different rooms set up in, a, in one of the buildings that we've got, which is also used by the paramedic students. So it's, you know, okay. got rooms that look like, we've got a room that looks like a day room. We've got a room that is, you know, a, a, a fake bathroom. We've got a room that looks like seclusion. We've got a, a, a room that could just be, you know, like a ward. We've got all these different things. So the students come and we, we put them into little groups and we say, right, you know, you're going you're gonna to work your way around the simulations. So we expect you to act as you would if you were in practice. Yep. Um, we give them a little bit of pre-brief about each scenario before they then start it so that, you know, they're not just thrown at the deep end and they don't know what is to be expected. There's things there that they would need because it's, you know, about physical health as well as mental health. Um, so there's a, there's a simulation that we do um, where um, somebody has ligatured. We use a mannequin. Okay, yeah. Um, so they come in to the room and they find um, one of us um, is um, saying, you know, hello, this is going to be um, a simulation which has got both uh, a mental health but primarily physical health parts to it. And they'll show them things around the room. They'll orientate them to the area. You know, this is the day room. That's the bathroom area. Um, this is all the kind of clinic bit. There's the, um, you know, the, the ward phone and the 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 grab bag of the physical health emergency stuff over there you know let's sit down now and do handover we'll start now the simulation so they start the simulation and then they're told that there's a patient who is um is on on the day service but they haven't seen them for a while so they're supposed to you know go off and do the checks of who else is around and that's when they open the bathroom door and find that there's the mannequin who's got the ligature around the neck so that's controlled by the person who's you know playing staff nurse yeah so there are you know ligature cuts and things available um, so when they, the mannequin's great, it's designed so that when they cut the ligature, it takes a, a kind of big struggling breath, as you would. You know. mm. So, you know, some students go, ah, and some are like, oh, this is amazing. And then, you know, they go off and get their red bag. So that they're, they're given the chance to practice in a safe place the stuff that they've had in the practicals, like basic life support and, you know, your A, B, C, D, E, your assessing and, and in news two scores for you, you know, documenting all the physical art stuff. And they get all of that. But now they get chance to put it into practice in a place that's safe. You know, there's no, nobody's going to kind of come to any harm. You know, there's a debrief afterwards. You know, everyone's made sure that they're okay in terms of that, you know, particular yeah. scenario. You know, they're always given feedback in terms, you know, what they did well. You know, if, they, if there's things that maybe need... Um, you know, developing for next time, you know, it's not a case of you did that wrong. It's, you know, how come you did it that way? What maybe, you know, getting people to reflect on stuff and, and help them to kind of go, right, I did that part. Okay. But I need to kind of maybe just refresh myself with what's on the news too, because I went straight to temperature and I should have started with airway. Yeah. So we like ramps. Ramps is always a fun day. Yeah. So then, then they move around different simulations and at the end they all come together and have one big debrief about you know how's the day been and has it been useful and they always say things like yeah can we have more so yeah. i like ramps yeah i like teaching on ramps lots of fun so what else do you teach um i tend to teach because of my background and what i uh, also i tend to teach the the things like um i do a self-harm and suicide session to the adult students which you always find fascinating. 
because some students are very much like, but, but why would you? Why would you self-harm? Why would you? It's like, well, there's lots of different reasons behind it. And other people are genuinely like, I like the adult students. I like teaching mental health stuff to the adult students because they always say, we don't get enough of this. We want more. We found it really interesting. Yeah. Um, I did a session the other week um, on sort of like, you know, introduction to mental health. And um, because of the, the way that we're kind of set up now for teaching, um, you can't expect a student to sit on a Zoom for three hours and engage for three hours. So some yeah. of the modules have kind of uh, changed it differently. So students are given, you know, look at this, this some videos, or we've I've done it, you know, whoever's doing the session later on, we'll do a screencast of um, the PowerPoint and talk over it. So they've had the kind of theory bit first and some stuff to read through in their own like, independent learning block of like an hour or two. Yeah. And then they have an hour Zoom in which to, you know, kind of ask questions or go back over stuff they weren't sure about rather than, you know, listening yeah. to me drone on for three hours. So I did this one hour um, session with the adult students on on mental health and they were just, there's 135 of them and they were very much like, oh, hello, because, you know, I've not met them before the first years. I'm like, hello, I'm Angela. I also work as a mental health nurse and in the hours team. So if you've got any questions about, you know, mental health nursing, now's your time to kind of pick my brain if you want to. And there was loads of questions. It was like, put them in the chat if you want, because not everybody wants to, you know, speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was just, I just kept, I was like, right, okay. So I kept going. And about halfway down, one of the students, bless them, I put, is this not going to be a standard lecture? And three of the students have put, no, it's going to be more interesting. No, it's fine. Look, this is a safe space. It's going to be great. Pick a brain. I was just, yeah. you know, what's, what's it like being a mental health nurse? What's the, what's the most difficult thing you've ever been involved in? Uh, you know, what's, what's the, um, thing that you like the most about your job tell me why do people get voices you know all sorts of questions which i'm like yes yeah do you, so know, I think, do you think do you think zoom and this has been one of the positive things about teaching this way i think if zoom it's like everything else i think if zoom is right it's in it's a useful tool yeah like yeah so there's things that i think that because I know that, you know, COVID is going to be, I hope it isn't because I've got tickets for Aerosmith book for July, but it's maybe going to be around for a while and we're going to have to modify, I think, how we do everything, mm. you know. So I think that maybe some stuff will still be kept to maybe this way of being delivered just because then it frees up, you know, like, may, it, because then if, you know, practical sessions and stuff that have to go ahead, because they're mandatory, have to be now done in smaller groups. Yeah, yeah. So rather than trying to fit everyone in, you know, the others, you know, we can have Zoom and stuff as well. But I think, so if it's, if it's used well, if it's used as the kind of, you know, extra to other stuff, or the springboard to, okay, so we meet, I tell you about some things, we have a bit of a lecture, then you go off and learn more about it. I think if it's used correctly, then it, it can be useful. But I think the danger is with Zoom. But it's like other things that maybe people using teaching that's overused like powerpoint you must have been in training gavin where it's been death by powerpoint yeah yeah started at nine by 11 o'clock your eyes are like no i need to keep yeah and there's nothing worse there's nothing so disengaging than somebody just reading off the powerpoint it's like but, yeah but yeah. why why yeah but you know there's other people that use powerpoint they just put bullet points like me i just put bullet points up and i'll like you know i'll i'll talk and i'll you know, in the days when I could be in the, in the classroom, you know, I'd walk up and down and I, you know, we'd, we'd maybe go off on a tangent because somebody's asked me a really good question and I'll go over and 
scribble about, you know, somebody asked me um, once, you know, why is it some people get mental health problems and some people don't? I'm like, ah, oh, here we go, we're zooming in the spring in the bucket, and, you know, and I scribble on the whiteboard and stuff, and then we'll come back to the PowerPoint. So I think Zoom, you know, kind of like that, if, if it's used well, then it's useful if it's used as a just kind of go to right everyone logs in i'll talk at you for an hour i'll talk at you for three hours whatever it is then some people you know don't always think that's useful so but that's the joy of zoom yeah yeah so just got a mental block blank then so in terms of um progressions then for for mental health nurses yeah do you have matrons and all that sort of stuff no that's the adult like they have things like matron modern matron and and you know standby beds that you know charge nurses here and stuff like that we do have progression but we don't call it the same what we um, and what it, what does it what does it look like so if you're an ambitious mental health nurse what's yeah what what's the journey that they can take so, um, so when I qualified um, in 2011, my first job was as a staff nurse on a um, acute ward, and I was a band five nurse. We have bandings, which my other half found quite confusing because in their role, the numbers go the other way. Okay. So when I was a band five staff nurse, and then I got a band six community mental health nurse yeah. was very excited because that's me getting more money, getting more responsibility, you know, me, moving to a different role. They couldn't understand why I've been demoted. Yeah. Like, you're, on, you're on band five, now you're band six. I'm like, no, it's, it's band five up to band six, not band five down. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it's staff nurse, usually band five. Or, or, you know, registered mental health nurse, because not everyone who is a band five works on the ward. You might be a band five who works in the community. Yeah, okay. Um, from there, band six, which might be, um, so I'm technically a community mental health nurse or a CMHN, or in old school terms, it's um, CPN, so community psychiatric nurse. But oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So band six is, you know, community mental health nurse, CPN. Or if I was on the ward still and I was a band six, I'd probably be something like a deputy. Okay. Deputy uh, nurse. Um, and then from there, band seven. So there's different roles um, under band seven. So in the community um, kind of area that I'm in, because we have, we, you know, needed people to organize, you know, be, be a bed manager. Yeah. It used to be gatekeep. Yeah. So we've got people who are band sevens and they're called flow coordinators because they're supposed to coordinate the in and out, you know, the movement of, of people into services and into beds. Yeah. So, you know, band seven might be a flow coordinator. Um, band seven might be a manager on a ward. Um, band seven in our trust, you have to, if you want to, to do the training and to be the AMP, Approved Mental Health Professional, then yeah. you, you also have to be a Band 7 nurse. Okay. So, you might, so there's um, senior, 
practitioners. So in our, in my job at Out of Hours team, there is a band seven nurse who is, she's called senior practitioner because she's the manager of us band sixes. Okay. Yeah. So there's lots of different roles possibly available at each kind of level. And then, you know, if you want to be all, all fancy and um, managerial, then you could get some sort of band eight, A, B and C. But okay. that's, you know, big dollar and um that would be up at the trust um, headquarters you know doing things that um they probably wouldn't you know let me do because like i said i like metal music and i've got not not that they're discriminatory that, that's a joke but yeah i don't think it'd be for me you can't really see me as a manager but yeah you might other people yeah and eight doing things like you know service manager yeah that kind of role so there's lots of different possibilities really but you know that's that that's if you want to do things like I, I know nurses who, you know, don't want to because they're really happy and really good in their role that they're in. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. I work with nurses who, you know, because when I, cause I was on the acute ward for six months and then I moved and I worked on the PICU, the psychiatric care unit for a year and a half. And that's when I saw the roles for band six and I thought, well, you know, because the job description said you must have done this and done that. I'm like, well, I have. So I'll start to apply and see if I you know, get an interview or whatever. And one of the band fives, when I was going to be leaving, said, you know, I sometimes feel like other people think I should be looking at band sixes because mm. I've been qualified and I've been here for, you know, five, six years. But really, I love this job. I love my role. I love what I do. So. And there's a lot to be said yeah. for your job, isn't yeah. there? Good on you doing something else if that yeah yeah you know if you're happy in your role and you find it fulfilling and you're good at it and you know this i think sometimes people put pressure on themselves that this perceived pressure that you know you should move up but no don't have to mm. especially if you know if you don't want to why should you yeah you do so early in the podcast you spoke about self-harm and things like that so yeah quite from a previous role, I was involved with CAMS and it was self-harming. It seems to be quite prominent nowadays with adolescent. Do you feel that's coming into adult care now or has it always been there? You broke up. Sorry, Gavin, I got CAMS, self-harm, yeah, and has it always been there? Yes, yeah, so earlier you spoke about self-harming and things like that and yeah there's quite a lot of focus on that with with young people adolescent obviously yeah. become adults now is that going to be a new thing or has that always been there for adult mental health that self-harm's always been yeah a thing that, yeah it's there's, not new for adults no it's not i think that it's more um more aware people are more aware of it now it's been talked about more i think that um there's more knowledge about it in general in the public um whether that's been for good or, or not because you know there's been there's been like you know kind of social media campaigns like the one a few years ago you know cook for bieber which did make i think certain people realize you know, self-harm's a thing. Mm. It wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't particularly 
good it, you know it wasn't an intervention it wasn't a positive i think but you know if the, if the very least if something can be taken from it is that you know people did realize that you know people do use self-harm possibly more than people think yeah so um, i think that it's something like everything else in terms of mental health people thinking i think you know starting to talk about it more okay you know if, and if if people out there you know like you know bill bailey um i, I had to, I, I don't watch strictly but i had to watch his bit because come on it's metallica so i, I and i follow him on twitter and i noticed that he'd um he got um a hoodie on and he was saying about you know guys and mental health and you know it needs to be you know talked about more and yeah. you know if people like that can um start chatting about it then if nothing else that maybe gets other people thinking and having more conversations about it so, all right then is there anything else you want to talk about you want to share either about either of your three three roles three roles um so i don't know i don't know whether because when i said to my other half that i've been asked by you to, to do this they said you know what's gavin gonna ask yeah and i said well i don't know so i cheated and i asked kaylee what you you and her talk about yeah, yeah. and um, and then my other half was saying well will, will they want you know some stories out of you or something for, for like you know what's a typical mental health and i was like so i did i did think of you know because you were saying gavin about you know you, you kind of try and collect people's experiences and stories of, yeah. of what it is to be a nurse that's maybe not in line with what everyone else is thinking a nurse yeah. is so um the the thing that came to my mind was boxing day a couple of years ago when it snowed really badly mm -hmm. um as a mental health nurse me and my mental health nurse colleague went to collect a dog from somebody's house and then right. took it took it to the animal shelter so that's um not a usual thing, but you know, what does a mental health nurse do? Well, we do lots of things, including if somebody has been detained under the Mental Health Act and they have an animal, you know, that, that, need, that animal needs to be taken care of whilst they're in hospital, if no one else is available to do that. So on a very snowy boxing day, me and my colleague um, went to an area of Sheffield, which, you know, Sheffield built on Seven Hills. So yeah, yeah. great when it snows. Yeah, so uh, we went out uh, on a snowy Boxing Day morning to the neighbour's house, uh, collected this lovely dog, you know, and you're like, do I have to take the dog? Can I, can I not have the dog for a little while? <laughs> no, I think I get in trouble for that. Um, he got very excited about the fact that he was going to go meet loads of other dogs and peed on my new boots. Oh, wow. as, a, as a side note, if you're working as any sort of nurse, don't wear fancy things to work, you know, durable, but cheap. So it was all right. They were my, uh, they were my very best Primark boots. So peed on my boots, um, dropped them off at the um, uh, animal shelter, and then um, went back on to the, uh, onto base. Yeah. So that was a... And how, how did that make you feel, sort of doing that for that person? On the one hand, it made me smile a bit and chuckle and go, you know, when people ask me what a mental health nurse does, I need yeah. to remember this. Yes. Um, and I was, you know, I was happy that we'd uh, arranged for the, can I, it's a pet, it's somebody's dog. It's, 
you know, if it's it's part of your your family, your support network. So, you know, if somebody's detained or, or not, and, and not able to, you know, they're going to worry, aren't they? It's bad enough, you know, that they've been taken to a ward possibly when they don't want to go or they don't think that, you know, it's going to be useful for them. And on top of all that, have the worry about their pet who's going to look after them, you know, they're yeah. going to be fed, all this other stuff. So, you know, at the very least, we made sure that that was one maybe less worry for them. So that was, you know, a nice kind of feeling for, for boxing though. Um, on the other hand, I was very much like, but it's cold and snowy and I don't like to drive in snow. But that's, you know, that's my issue. Would so. you say that most of the, the outcomes as a mental health nurse are positive outcomes? I'd say mental health nursing is a little bit odd and difficult sometimes because if I don't see somebody or work with them again, that's a good thing. Mm. Because not, but uh, you know, you don't, you don't always. There are positives, but you don't always get to see them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I chat with people, and I you know I, I like you know I've done assessments with people, and I've you know worked on the ward, and 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 um, I've had out you know people when they've said you know I feel like you've been useful, I feel supported, I feel in a very different place. Um, but sometimes you don't you don't get that kind of feedback because if they're discharged, say off the ward, I might not see them again ever. Yeah. Or I might see them again, but in six months. And for some people, that's a little bit difficult as well because people kind of think that if you see them again in six months that you failed them because they've come back. Okay. Whereas I try to look at it as, well, actually, they had six months where they didn't need us. So yeah. that was six months that we should be you know, pleased about. So I think, I think it is, is a fun job in a way. Sometimes it's stressful. And it's a rewarding job. Not that we're in it, you know, for for the glory or whatever. But sometimes I think it's a job that you don't always see the good results from because you just you don't you don't see the person. You don't get that feedback. Yeah, okay. it doesn't mean that you know you've not done something useful for them. So, yeah. Do you think when you go into into mental health nursing, there's a preconceived expectation by the by people you serve or care for or do you think they they more than anyone else understand what mental health nursing is about um depends on the person because there are clients and i use different terms because i've worked in different services client service uses patients there are people that you work with who have used services before mm. so they know what to expect and sometimes that can actually work against you if they've had a bad experience say in a in a different service because you're almost kind of working with them and saying look i know you've had that experience and i'm sorry for that so let's try and you know start again then you've got to build up trust and stuff but people might have been on the ward say before so no to expect that you know it's non-smoking and oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then there might be people who are, have never been under services never use them so don't know what to expect and they can have either an idea that it's you know um because people are frame of references don't they that aren't always accurate because they're from like you know tv and the media you know think it's going to be something like you know shutter island or one floor of the cuckoo's nest or nurse ratchet on netflix 
that it's going to be that kind of, you know, big asylum. Everyone's, you know, shuffling around. Um, so they don't want to go to somewhere like the ward because they've got this preconceived idea of what it is and that's scary for them. Mm -hmm. So then you have to, you know, it's about, you know, kind of reassuring them that actually it's, you know, it's a bit different. I suppose um, it's their perception of seeing it as, as a punishment rather than yeah. therapy. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, again, everyone's different. Some people are like, I know I'm not well. I know I'm struggling. I know that if I come in and have a little bit of time, that's what I need. I don't want to necessarily because it means I can't go out with my mates and do, you know, you know, and I go to work and all those things, things I worry about. But I know that if I come in and have a stay, that will be helpful. And But for other people, it's very much like, you dragged me in here. I don't need this. Why are you making me take those tablets? So that's kind of something that you just, you know, have to, you know, be honest with the person about and work with, I guess, in terms of, you know, I know you feel that way, but, you know, when you were here before, maybe you also felt the same way. And after three weeks, you know, do you remember that you were very much like, sorry, I was a bit of a shit to you. Went mm -hmm. well, feel better now kind of thing. So it's just well, there's, a, there's a big element of patience and acceptance being in a mental health role. Yes. More so probably than then. I'm going to say it more so in in hospital care. Yeah, yeah, because I, I did when I like do that session with the adult students. You know, they talk about well, even um, challenging people. It's like no, they're not well. Yeah, yeah, like because the last I that I get this usual question of so why is it when somebody comes to the like, A and E and they come on a, on a regular basis and they've come with self harm and um, and they they've had treatment. And then they're seen by the mental health team that is part of A&E. How come they just have 10 minutes and then they get sent home? Why don't you do something with them? Or how come they're not taken to hospital? And it's very much like, well, although that's frustrating for you guys, you don't see the other side of it and all the notes and everything else that's behind it, that actually that's that person's current level of where they're at and there's not really a change for them. So they don't need more intervention from your side of things you're very much like see it fix it yeah. but that's where we're a little bit different but yeah you know it's our acceptance of you know different roles and different ways of working if nothing else yeah so what's next steps for you then if anything um so hopefully if covid behaves itself um we've got some some fun stuff lined up for heavy metal therapy. So there's AGM at Primordial Radio um, in September. They're doing like a day festival. Okay. With people like Skindred. Oh, I love Skindred. Um, so me and Kate got asked to come and do like a wellness stall. Okay. Um, so we're, we've, I've got some ideas for, you know, um, different things to do for wellness. Everywhere, no colouring in books. Um, well, I, there was going to be colour in, but I was thinking more lines of, you know, of like, you know, only the felt tips, like black, purple, red, and yeah, you know, okay. in, you know, skulls and spiders and fun stuff like that, rather than like, you know, um, pastel colours and, you know, yeah, okay. and, um, uh, and things like, um, you know, mindfully sit, sitting and making a, a voodoo doll, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's hopefully if, if COVID behaves itself. Um, in terms of, you know, Hallam, um, 
we're just kind of taking it as it is really because you know yeah. we'd like to when it's safe come back onto campus and teach more i know that before this started um because like i said i teach the ramps things we'd got ideas for different scenarios that might be useful for students like in their third year you know like before just about before they're going to go out you know more in terms of things like you know um being being in charge of a shift you know more yeah. kind of stuff to help them make that transition um so we've got those kind of ideas on the go but that all kind of got delayed at the minute so hopefully if if we're able to we can we can have more of a chat about those and get those in place yeah. um certainly from health acute providers you know that that, that impact of newly qualified nurses all of a sudden because of covid and staffing mm. issues and people being on track and trace and whatnot is that sometimes we're finding these students sorry but you're the only one you're yeah. the only active member of staff that's it's so it terrifying been. for them and you know we say it shouldn't be like that but no be left on their own is in charge no, no. but so. this just put us in this situation where we just we have so many people sitting at home yeah you know and it's, it's trying, trying to knit with that, that saying, trying to knit with treacle. You just think, well, where, you know, where can we get staff to try and either support the nurse or move the nurse from their own ward because of the only yeah. one? There. Can we get them onto another ward because we just physically yeah. moving stuff around? Yeah, moving people around. It's yeah. so terrifying, and I think that's one of the things that I think older nurses. I was talking to um, Linda Cross in, in a previous podcast yeah. about. New, new nurse moving around it's like you know it's it's not it's far from ideal to be having a newly qualified nurse either you know having to work mm. with a whole heap of agency stuff or moving them off their complete their ward that they've only known yeah to be the second nurse on on, on a ward where they have no idea where anything is and all that support that they've had yeah. i think that for me that's one of the, 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 the biggest tragic impacts for newly qualified nurses is from covid yeah, that kind of being dropped in at the deep end. Yeah. 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 And how do you prepare people for that? I really don't know. Um, I tell students, make friends with the support workers. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, this yeah. Is, the support workers, they know your ward, they know the patients, they know the layout of the place, they know people's faces, they know important stuff like where the good coffee's kept and make friends with the housekeepers as well because I've been on night shifts and there's been no coffee and they've come and brought me coffee, bless them, and they've got an emergency stash. Yeah, so, yeah, if you... I mean, I've had it, never mind with COVID, I've had it where there was... I was um, on the one ward and there was no staff, so I was asked to go and, yeah, be second nurse on the other ward. It's like, well, I don't know any of the patients, I don't know the layout of the place, so the support worker was like, well, you know, do you want me to... It basically was my shadow for the shift and I was like right so you can confirm to me you know where we're going and who needs what and yeah make friends with these support workers if you look after them they'll look after you it's one of my roles in nursing dude this is just a question so in a mental health hospital inpatient hospital how do they separate the wards so you don't have you don't have gastro respiratory so how how do wards get separated in well logistically speaking and you know structurally it's, it's pretty much the same you know there's one ward that's the acute ward and then there'll be a corridor and doors and, and there'll be another ward that's another acute ward and then there'll be a d 
different area that's the PICU. So maybe the psychiatric intensive care unit. Yes. Um, and that'll be maybe, maybe has things like um, airlocks. So there'll be one door and then another door near to it. And you cannot go through that second door until the first door is shut to just okay. provide that extra security. And then um, more than likely you'll, that'll be a smaller ward because typically a, a, a PICU is less, it's, it's more of a, a, a ratio of more staff to, to patients to give that intensive kind of support and yeah. make sure there's more people around. If, but usually it's um, 18 bed, one ward is acute ward, 18 beds, another ward is acute ward. That, that eight beds is the PICU. Um, we, there are certain areas that have got things like uh, that's the female ward and that's the male ward. Yeah. But then you have the the um, the fun of well, actually, when there's female beds going spare and too many males need to come in, then well, what do you do? So, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's pretty much you know, it's, it's like, but it's 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 single, it's rooms, single rooms. It's not bed bays. Yeah. Yeah, but it's you know, kind of similar setup. With so. On an inpatient ward, so if if you do you have people who may be having eating disorders head in the same ward with someone who's hearing voices to yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. So you don't you don't keep the people who keep voices in one ward? No, we're not like you lot with your weird adult your your um nasogastric you're down there you're cardio that's that ward you're cancer no we're not no we we have we have the acute wards so on the acute ward can be um usually diagnosis of things like bipolar disorder um there is a there is a specific eating disorder service yeah yeah and there is a specific um um drug and alcohol service which also has got um things like detox inpatient so but there's there might be you know a mix of you know clients with diagnoses like maybe eating disorders and um, severe anxiety depression severe okay. depression maybe with psychotic features you know maybe um a psychotic uh diagnosis schizophrenia something like that um bipolar disorder um yeah there's not we don't I guess that's really good though, because you get a good variety of everything on those wards then. So if you're, so looking at it from a staff nurse point of view, especially if you're a newly qualified staff nurse, you get a good experience of working with a range of different clients with a range of different needs and a range of different support um, needs. Sometimes though, if you're the patient, it can be quite scary. Because no. if, you know, if you're, let's say Gavin, you know, you're on a, ward with 17 other patients you've never been in mental health services before um you you're detained because you've got depression with psychotic features um but you've also got three other clients who are uh you know quite manic presentation at the time and are up all night and shouting and yelling and you know being you know very distressed maybe then that could be maybe frightening for you it could be annoying for you actually because no ward in no hospital is a place where people sleep is it yeah. so you know it's, it's kind of but you know it, it might be useful because for a lot of people when they are experiencing something they worry that 
it's only them that's had it. Nobody else has had it, so they'll be kind of judged or made to feel that, you know, they're odd in some way. But, you know, maybe being on a ward with other people, not necessarily the same diagnosis, you know, different ones, if nothing else might help that person to see that mental health issues affect lots of different people in lots of different ways. And that might be something that helps them to feel a little less like it's only happened to them. And if they tell anyone about it, then they'll be judged or, you know, it's a scary thing that they can't speak about. I don't know. Mm. Okay. No, that's been great. I've enjoyed oh, it. Thank, you. thank you for having me on, Gavin. I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating, really is. It's, it's such a different, different approach to to the other type of nursing that... Ah, to the adult type, yes. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong, they're all lovely. I know I have, you know, Kelly, I have friends who are adult nurses and they're, you know, very skilled in other things that I couldn't possibly do. Well, I have friends that are midwives. I mean, when I'm allowed in my office, I actually share my office at Hallam with midwifery lecturers. And they... Um, I've, yet, I've yet to have a podcast with midwife. I'm oh. to because oh, I, will, I can recommend a midwife to you yeah. then in that case. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was in my office I think on a that's Tuesday. the dark side. Yeah, oh, it's yes. the dark side. Yeah, I was. Especially I was being in a guy, office. it's like. Yeah! Well, yeah! <laughs> but uh, I was in my office and it was like a, a, a Tuesday and I, I worked shifts at weekends and, and the midwives were like, well, how was your weekend? I went, oh, you know, I was on shifts. So I, you know, I talked to somebody about this, that, and the other, and they, and they both midwives went, I don't know how you do your job. I was like, what do you mean? Like, well, you talk to people about things like self-harm and, and hearing voices and and how do you do that? And it's like, you two are midwives. How do you do your job? You take a person out of another person. It's like, you know, Russian dolls, but with more goo. I can't do your job. You're asking me about mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Babushka dolls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, I find it fascinating that we all have very, sometimes these ideas about, what other fields of nursing kind of entail, but very much like at the same time, I couldn't do your job. You're, 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 you're really good at your job and I couldn't yeah, do it because yeah. there's things that you do in your job that I couldn't possibly, yeah. And that's yeah. what I love about nursing. I really, I, I love it because... It's so different, isn't it? Everyone's, yeah. We all work together. We can, you know, we can all work together and we do. But sometimes you've got these like, I couldn't do your job. Why? Because, you know, you take bloods from people and put can you... you insert cannulism you know you yeah, just, yeah. yeah but you you know talk to people about their voices well yeah, you get someone screaming at your face you know for 15 minutes and you're like yeah but you know that's that's the different areas of nursing isn't it and again all got different strengths and all got different kind of you know things that we we enjoy yeah. in a bizarre way that we're good at so no, very well thanks for your time i'll put links in the descriptions for your heavy metal therapy thank you gavin i'll um, i'll send the the links yes, to you send, send us the stuff through if anyone wants to contact you what's the best way to contact you um if they they want to contact uh, me they can do so um i'm on twitter i'm aj glaives so a j and, uh, and people I, I, i'm going to change my surname to smith so it's something less it's g-l-a-v-e-s okay. if you want to find me on twitter or um this heavy metal therapy at heavy therapy because I sometimes do that account, so yeah. yeah okay.
Brilliant. Okay, well, I'll put all that stuff in the description. So it's been wonderful talking to you. And thanks. For oh, thanks, Gavin. Thanks for having me on. I've really much enjoyed it. And it was nice to meet you, you know, via Zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great. All right. Thanks yeah. a lot.